Hello guys, welcome back to the Daily Hype Podcast. Happy Friday. I'm your host Ashley Pollard and today I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I felt like doing something a little different, little pulled the CEO card and said, nope, I'm going to do things my way. And today, this Friday, I'm going to do an AMA and ask me anything. The reason for this is because I asked my audience, you guys, my community on Instagram, what are some business tips that you're really, really needing, right? And I got over 50 really phenomenal questions. And to me, if I'm going to answer one a week in my business episodes, I'm not going to get through those questions until next year. And I want to make sure I'm answering your questions. So I thought that every once in a while, I'll tap in here and do a really cool like little AMA answer your questions, and get back to you about ways that you can help your business. I have three solid questions here that I can't wait to dive into. I felt these were really strong and really great ways that we can um, start to think about business a little differently. Now, question one is, what analytics should I be incorporating into my strategy? And this is such a great question and so up my alley. I'm a data girl. I'm a numbers nerd. I love Excel. I love data statistics. I love all of this stuff because truly you cannot make a decision on your own because you feel like it, right? I know a lot of people are like, do things intuitively. Those people, I can tell you because I work with some people like that, They do that strategically, okay? I hate to break it to you. I hate to expose some people, but it's true. So the more intuitively you do things, you're still going to be doing it strategically because you know your audience. Now, this question is asking what analytics need to be incorporated into strategy. Let's break that down into a little bit more like brunch talk. The question here really is like, what information do I need to be considering in my business? So let's go through, I I put together three really good examples of different pieces of information that you could be gathering so that you can use this in your business moving forward. The first one is try to calculate the percentage of change you get with a client. So for instance, if you're working in a quote unquote data, you know, field in some capacity, let's say you're a social media manager, what is the follower count? What is the average like count? What is the average shares, average saves of your client, right? Then if you look six months from now, what is the delta or what is the difference? So if somebody goes from 500 followers and, you know, 200 likes, what happens if later they're now at 5,000 followers and, you know, 1,500 likes? So that that percent difference can show how much of an increase to someone's business you've been able to, you know, create for them, what percent of change you're really able to make for someone. That way, when someone's looking at hiring you, you're not just saying, oh, I do a really great job. You're now saying, I can increase your social strategy. I can increase your social presence by 250%. Can they do that on their own? Maybe not, right? So this is something to consider here. This is a really big one. What is that percentage difference? The other flip side of this is that some of you I know are working in more, let's say, emotional fields. So if you're saying, I work with people to increase their mindset around money, I want I work with people who are hiring me as their life coach, um, I'm working with people who are coming to me to heal some trauma. So in that capacity, you're not necessarily able to quantify, here's how they feel before, here's how they feel after. However, you truly can actually. So if you have an intake form when they first start working with you and you score like one to 10, how confident do you feel about your body? How confident do you feel about this? How great is your relationship with this person? Whatever it is that relates to your industry, right? They may say something like two out of 10, three out of 10, four out of 10, 
right? Then when you're done working with them and you've instituted some of these practices, you might say the same thing. Now, how do you feel one out of 10? Now, how confident are you or how mended is this relationship or how able are you to communicate, whatever it is. And they may be saying, I'm an eight out of 10, a nine out of 10, a 10 out of 10 even, right? That is another way that you can score the difference or you know, calculate the difference of those two numbers so that you can show how somebody came from a before into that after. The next thing that you want to make sure that you're integrating is different analytics around the industry altogether, right? So for instance, if you're an email marketer, it's going to be really important to you that you lean on the statistic that 70% of adults open their personal email over 10 times per day, right? Not only by sharing that information are you showing that you've done your homework and that you know the industry, but you're also showing the importance of working with you because if that's true that 70% of adults open their personal email over 10 times a day, I'm way past 10, then that really shows to the consumer who's maybe hesitant about do people really care about email? Okay, yes, I can invest in you because this is something important, right? So what analytics are important about your industry as a whole? How many people are, um, you know, what is the percentage of people dealing with mental health and being open about it if you are in life coaching? If you are a personal trainer, um, what is the average weight that somebody is postpartum if their goal is to lose the baby weight and how can you get that off, Right. I'm throwing random analytics out there. In my business, I would probably be saying things like using a system in your business can optimize your performance by X percent. Having an onboarding clients can retain a client by having X, Y, and Z. So using those analytics around your industry as a whole will help show you as an authority, but also prove why working with you is so important. The next analytics I'm... can't speak. The next analytic I'm going to give you is what change are you implementing, right? And show how your numbers can get you there. So what that means is like, for instance, in my business, my goal is to get a hundred women to six figures within 12 months. How can I possibly quantify that? How can I possibly make that happen? Well, my roadmap exercise is something that shows what you're going to be performing that year, what kind of work you're going to be doing that year. And then with that, we put numbers to it. Okay. So if you want to have this program, how many people do you want in it? What price do you want? If you're going to do this, how many people do you want to sign with that? How many people do you need to buy your passive income? So we can bubble it up and see what number you're rolling to. The women that are working with me who this is their full-time job, this is their main focus, this is their everything, right? My goal is that we can do this exercise to either raise their prices, to lower their costs, or to work with more people so that they do hit that six-figure mark. Already, I've done this roadmap exercise with 25 people, and it is April 2nd. So that means that to me, I'm probably going to be able to hit that 100, you know, 100 women to six figures, 100 women to $100,000, because in there's four quarters of the year. In the first quarter, I did 25. If I maintain this momentum, I will be at 100 people this year that I've made six figures by having a plan of exactly how to get there. So for you, what change are you planning to implement? Can you tell somebody that you're going to triple their income? How are you going to do that? Are you going to tell people that you can help them have a $100,000 launch? What's your plan to get there, right? So you cannot... You can, but I would not, I would very much urge against throwing out these random obsolete numbers like triple your business and hit 20K months and become a millionaire unless you can back it up with numbers. 
No anecdotal data here. Anecdotal data is like a story you tell. So you can't say, I'm going to get you there because we're going to up-level your mindset and we're going to change some things in your business. No, we're going to quantify some things. So I want to make sure that you have a diverse product suite of less than $100 objects. I want to make sure that your prices are competitive. I want to make sure that X, Y, and Z. You have to show the process because if not, you're going to look like a scammy kind of person and you don't even have proof that you can do it, right? So make sure that you are doing this in a way that is responsible and ethical. So those three things are what I would recommend if you're looking for more analytics, more information to fuse into your strategy or into your business. Again, what those are is show the percent change, use analytics for your industry as a whole, and show what kind of maximum change you're able to create for them and the steps to get there. Okay, the second question was, how can I delegate better and get information to my team for a smooth working progress? Now, the thing here is that outsourcing is a bitch. And the problem with outsourcing is that a lot of times we have to quote unquote give up something that we do really well because as solopreneurs, a lot of times we're the ones doing everything. We do the social, we do the emails, we know how we like to talk, we know how we like to do things, right? Now, the thing is, is that We have to be more interested in the business, in the brand itself, than in our success as the human behind it. So you have to work a little bit on some ego work here, right? And in my case, this is not I want Ashley Pollard to succeed. This is I want Team AP to succeed. This isn't I want Ashley Pollard to make $300,000. This is I want my business to make $300,000 because look at all the women that we've helped throughout that process. So First and foremost, make sure that you're taking yourself out of your business because that is step one into hiring, okay? The reason for that is because this is the number one thing you have to do when you delegate. You have to care way more about how the brand does a task and less about how you do a task. So one of the things that really made me have this light bulb moment was I was listening to a, oh my God. I almost said a radio episode, a podcast episode with Gwyneth Paltrow, who was talking about goop. And she was mentioning that somebody said, like, how are you um, able to be okay with every single article that goes up? Like, there's so many different articles. Are these all coming from you? And she actually said, no, I actually disagree with some of the articles that are going up on goop. Uh, Not in a major way, but like, they're not really like something that I would push. However, Goop is not about the Gwyneth Paltrow brand. It is about the Goop brand. It is on its own. So we as brand owners have to be cognizant about what does our brand do and what do I do, right? In this instance, Gwyneth Paltrow was trusting her team to know what Goop would do, to say, I'm going to create an article perfect for the Goop consumer. I'm going to create an aesthetic perfect for the Goop consumer. And Gwyneth Paltrow herself may be like, eh, I might have done that differently. Eh, I don't think I would have written that. And eh, that's not really my vibe. She had separated herself out of the business where she was able to step back and say, this is good for Goop, even if it's not my way. The same thing is true for me. You know, I had to pass off information. I had to pass off tasks and say, hey, Um, I'm going to need an Airtable tech dashboard set up for a client of mine. Now, here's the thing. Was it done the way I would have done it? No, but it was done. It was completed and it was done really well, right? So I have to trust that Team AP is going to be showing up as Team AP to the best of its ability, even if it's not necessarily the way I want to do things, which leads me to the second thing. Trust that people don't want to fail, 
okay? My team does not want to fail. My team does not want to give me poor work. They don't want to sit back and kick their feet up and collect a paycheck. And if they were going to, I would be able to smell that in our interview process. So I did have to learn the hard way. I did actually have one person join the team, learn how I did branding, quit, and then start offering a branding service. So I have learned this the hard way, but now I really, really vet the candidates of people who want to work with me because I want to make sure that they actually care about being a hardworking person. I don't want somebody who just wants to chitter chatter all day and be best friends with everybody on Slack. I want someone who's going to be working hard and really caring more about other women than we care about our own success. So I know now when I hire people that I can trust them to do things the way that I would be doing things because my goal is not do this exactly the way I would do it. My goal is help our clients. And that is the mindset shift that I had to take. Here's the thing that you can do also, and this is the second point about how to delegate a little bit better, is to incentivize growth. So when people come into the company with me, they don't get a super high position. They don't get all the perks. They don't get all of these really great different advantages, okay? I have perks offered on a basis of how long you've been with me. Um, I have perks based on I will raise your pay after a certain amount of time being with me. And I also will start you with some sort of quote unquote lower level title so that if you stay with me for three months, you're going to get paid more your title is going to change, and you're going to be getting getting better perks. For instance, some of the perks that we offer throughout the process, if you stay with me for three to six months, I'd have to remember exactly which one it is. I think it's three months. If you stay with me for three months, you now get a 50% commission on anything that you want to refer to me. So for instance, if somebody wants to refer people to Square One Accelerator, if someone wants to refer people to uh, something that I sell in the shop, in my passive income suite, then my employee, they're not employees, the, my team would get 50% of that, I cannot speak, I'm getting ahead of myself. If they refer sales to either my passive income or square one accelerator, can't speak again, they would get 50% of that total price. So for instance, if someone refers people to square one accelerator for $1,500, that person just made 750. So that's one perk that we put in place. Um, A really, really, really accelerated way to make more money while also you know, encouraging people to be within the Team AP brand. I have no problem giving 50% of that commission because that is somebody that I didn't have to work to go find. That's an audience I didn't have access to. So that's one perk that we put in place. Another perk we put in place is that if you're with us for a year, then you get 1% of the, uh, uh, how do I wear this? 1% of the revenue after we hit our goal. So for instance, those of us who have been with me for a year, when we get to 350,000, every dollar we make out of that, they make 1%. So that means that if we make 500, which is 500 minus 350, $150,000 difference, right? Oh my God, that is so wild that I even just said that. Um, Then they would make times 0.01, $1,500 per person. So they have the opportunity for a $1,500 bonus if we hit our goal. Now, even better is that if we actually do hit $500,000, they get 2%, which means that they get about like a $5,000 bonus. So that is if you have been with me for, I think it's six months to a year. 
Um, outside of that, if you've been with me longer, you get a brand new free website with our website designer who actually charges $8,000. So there's all these different perks about working with me so that you want to stay with me longer. And not only do you want to stay with me longer, you're going to want to make sure that your work is up to par so that we don't see a need to dismiss our contract with you, right? So that is something that I would also say, like incentivize growth, start them at like a lower base salary or a lower base hourly price, go a little bit lower than what they are just to test them out for three months and then give them a better role, give them a better price, um, give them more opportunities for perks and then rev share with them down the line if they've been with you for a year, for six months and you think that they're going to stay with you for a while, those kinds of things. Lastly, if you're having a hard time getting your information to, to the team because you don't have a very like smooth work process, you need to have a system that is automated. For instance, in my system, whenever I am done recording a podcast, I change the status to recorded. My podcast producer, Sam, gets an alert through Slack. This podcast episode is recorded. She can now go in and fix the episode, get it all set up, get it ready to go. And then when it's finalized, she selects finalized and I get an alert that everything is ready to go. I don't now have to micromanage her. I don't have to ask what the status is. I don't even have to ask if it's done because I'm going to know it's done when I get an alert. The thing is, is that you're going to have to make sure that you're staying on top of things and that you have different automations to tag people in tasks based on the date, based on how far along they are, based on the status of something. Um, and with that, you need to make sure that you have due dates in your calendar to get things to people on time. Sam, my podcast producer, wants my podcasts uh, recorded by a certain date. And the reason for that is that she wants to make sure that she can live her life the way that she wants. I have to respect her boundaries just like she has to respect mine. So I know that if I want my podcast to be completed and if I want her help with my podcasts, I have to have them done by the date that she requests. Also, you need to give them a little bit of power to say, you don't have to do this thing if I don't get it done, or you still have to pay them even if you don't get it done. So for instance, if I don't get this done for Sam, then I have to go in the back end and I have to set everything up, but I'm required to pay her for the time that I'm doing it because that is time that I'm taking from her, right? It's not fair to her for her to rely on a certain amount of hours that she's going to be getting from me, aka money that she's going to be getting from me, if I'm slacking on the job and then taking over her job. That's not fair to anyone. So keep yourself in place by saying, I'm going to have to pay you regardless. I better get it done because either you're going to do it or I'm going to do it. And I this way it saves you money and it gets them involved. So that is my tips for how to delegate and get a smooth process for your team. Incentivize their growth. Have some systems in place that are automated so you understand what the statuses are. And punish yourself a little bit if you don't get things to people on time. And just to recap, like, be really clear about the fact that this is not you doing the work and they have to break into your head and understand the exact way that you do business. Understand that this is somebody coming on who's going to act on behalf of the brand and not on behalf of you as a person. It relinquishes some control and allows them to step in with their take, with their eyes on things, with their version of something. Both things can be good, but you're giving somebody else the opportunity to take it from their lens. 
Okay, so the last question was, do you have any tips on effectively time batching um, or batching out different work tasks? I time batch everything as much as possible. I batch my Instagram posts. I batch my content creation as far as my, I shouldn't say content creation, uh, my course creation, and I batch my podcast episodes. Now, the reason for this is because it truly saves an astronomical amount of time. If I were to sit down and record even a five-minute episode and then go through, write the show notes, schedule it, make sure it's set up, create the graphics, um, all of that would probably take an hour. However, if I sit down and spend two to three hours on a Saturday, I can get probably 50 different episodes done and I'm not going through the full process. There's so much data to prove that a full process beginning to end is so time consuming because you're switching your mind back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It's way easier for me to just stay in the Anchor app and record, 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 and then open up the Anchor website later and copy and paste my show notes, show notes, show notes, right? So just know that time batching is the biggest benefit to your business. You need time, you need to batch more. So what are some of my tips for that? One, be really flexible, but get it done when you need to. So what does this mean? This means that for me, I know that Sam wants podcasts by a specific Saturday. So that means that I have time to get it to her. I also know that I like to do a lot at one time. So I can say, all right, at some point in time, I'm going to have to dedicate four hours to podcasts. I'm going to dedicate four hours to podcasts, four hours to podcasts. Typically, when I put time in my calendar to record podcasts, I don't want to. I don't know why. I don't know if there's some resistance. I don't know if it's because I'm a rebel at heart and I don't like people telling me what to do, even myself. But when I see that I have to record four podcasts, I don't want to do it. However, there can be times during my week or during my month where I will say, you know what? I told myself that I was going to spend four hours today on my website, but I'm really feeling my podcast, so I'm just going to do it. And then I show up in such a better place, right? I'm showing up enthusiastic. I have really good energy. I'm ready for it. So that is where I say, like, be flexible. Get it done when you're, like, really, really vibing with it. Um, but get it done. You know, you can't slack on it forever. So if you have a due date and if you're slacking on something and you're not getting something done because you, quote, unquote, don't feel like doing it, that's not good enough, friend. Okay? You got to get it done at some point, even if you don't want to do it. The next one is... Um, Oh, I guess this is technically the same thing. Okay, so the next thing that I want to talk about is the fact that sometimes your task batching is not correct. So for instance, I can't task batch by saying, I want to create all my social media graphics. No, that won't work. I can't task batch by saying, I want to record all my podcasts. Nope, that doesn't work. What does work is me saying, okay, today I'm going to write out every single podcast episode topic that I want to do for the next two months. I'm going to write all of them down and maybe I'll even write some bullet points so that I know exactly what I want to talk about. And then whenever I go to record, that will be all task batched. Okay. I'll spend maybe two hours doing that. Then when I go down to record, I don't have to conceptualize what am I talking about? I don't have to come up with the bullet points of what are the, the different, um, when is the word I'm looking for? Topics or points that I want to go through, right? For instance, I'm sitting here recording what are my business tips from the AMA. Um, and I put all of this in Airtable. I wrote out the three questions and the three answers. And today I'm showing up to just record it. I'm going through the list and I already wrote this out. I already finished that for myself. Today I'm just in recording mode. I don't have to conceptualize or anything like that, right? So that's something to think about. Um, and then the next thing is that if you're doing this with social... 
or Instagram posts or something like that, you don't want to um, do the, sorry, I got distracted. You don't want to say, I want to create all my Instagram posts for one day. It's the same thing. Map out exactly what you want to post on Instagram. Is there uh, a helpful cat, like a helpful carousel you want to do? Are there reels you want to do? Is there an IG live you want to do? Like what are the different topics of information that you want to talk about in the first place? Map those out in some sort of a calendar, what you're posting when, and then sit down and create templates. Social media templates are the quickest way to work well on social while keeping really strong branding. That way, you don't have to come up with a new social media top caption every single time you post. You don't have, sorry, not caption, um, like image or graphic. You don't have to do any of those things. What you can do is, ha- I, for instance, I have carousel templates. I have quote templates. I have podcast templates. So depending on what I'm talking about, I just change the words and change the picture. So make those in advance so that whenever you do come, whenever it does come time for you to create the graphics, after you've spent a separate day writing out all of your topics, then you can create all the graphics at one point in time and schedule them in some sort of scheduling platform like Later or Planoly or Instagram Creator Studio. The third one, after they're scheduled, this might sound backwards, but after they're scheduled, I like to go in and write all the captions. Uh, The reason for that is because I think it's a little bit more important for me to see like the order things are going to go. So for me, I want to see kind of the order of every single post and then I can start to conceptualize how much information do I want to go into here? What do I want to talk about? So that is how I batch. What topics do I want? Great. Done. That day is done. Then another day I'll sit down, create all the graphics, and then finally I'll create all the captions. Then all of my task batching is done for my social. You can do this with so many different things. You can do this if you're doing workflows in Dubsado. You can do this for different SOPs that you're mapping out. You can do this with, you know, I think the big one really would be like YouTube, social, as far as like Instagram, um, TikTok even, uh, Pinterest. So there's many different things that you can task batch. What is it that takes you a long time? And can you do a lot of those things at once instead so that you can actually save time in the process? Welcome to April, guys. It is Q2. Thank you for kicking this off with me. We are ready for a new quarter, a new month, and next week we are relaunching the website, new services, new freebies, new podcast, um, new podcast things. So there's a lot of really exciting things coming your way, and I can't wait to tell you more about it, and I will talk to you later.